Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. FM. My name is Rizak Musbao and you're welcome on board to yet another edition of Sports Arena here on your superstation, Joy 99.7 FM. And of course, uh, it's a big weekend. It's been a big, 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 heavy week as far as um, lots of football updates is concerned. It was a week that the Black Stars of Ghana got to know their qualifying group. They are in Group I and uh, alongside Central African Republic, Chad, they are also in there with Mali. And uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting qualifying round for the 2026 uh, uh, World Cup to be hosted in Mexico, USA and Canada. Of course, the Black Stars of Ghana will be looking to qualify. You just have to top your group. It's uh, nine groups of six there and uh, the Black Stars clearly need to give their all. Uh, we've had quite an extensive discussion about it today. We'll love to hear from you. What do you make? of the Black Stars group, the chances of the Black Stars to qualify for the World Cup. And if you even want the Black Stars to qualify to the World Cup, um, 
been reading some comments on social media and there are those who are even advocating that the black slash should not qualify at all we would love to hear from you why you think so why you think so why you think that should be the case so we'll open the four lines uh, for that very discussion but we're going to start off with the black queens and uh, the black queens themselves they are looking to qualify to the olympics for the first time since almost 10 years now the last qualify for the olympics in 2007 and they're looking to make a return there they've started the qualifying games and the first round of the qualifiers the first leg um uh, they played against guinea uh, they played the first leg they went all the way to guinea conakry and they managed to defeat the guineans but three goals to nail in the first leg and the second leg will be hosted at the Cross Force Stadium on Tuesday. And uh, that's when they'll be done with the first round of qualifiers. Then they get to the next stage of qualifiers and hopefully they'll be able to qualify for Paris Olympic Games 2024. And of course, the head coach for the side is Nora Haptel. And uh, she's doing an amazing job so far with the Black Queens. She's been in charge of about four games now, yet to concede a goal and also having won all of the games. We'll be joined by my colleague Lawrence Beidou. He's been following closely the Black Queens and the exploits. And of course, and uh, uh, another of our colleague journalists will also join us for that heavy discussion. Remember, we'll also be doing a bit of update in the camp of Accra Hatter folk. They're looking for a new coach. There were talks, rumors that Coach Anna Walker was going to become the head coach, but uh, it does appear it did not work out. And Walker has returned to great Olympics now. And the question on the lips of all Accra Hatta Folk fans is that who becomes the next coach of Accra Hatta Folk? The search continues. The search continues. And uh, we'll get some, you know, updates, some fillers, you know, from the camp of Accra Hatta Folk relative to who will become the next coach of the club. Is it going to become, is it going to be Dr. Prosper Nate Ogum? Is he in the line to become the new head coach of Accra Hatta Folk? We'll see. We'll see. Or oh, is he going to be a foreign coach? We'll get some update for you there. Then we'll also go to Kumasi to get some update in the camp of Kumasi Asante Kotoko. Because remember, we've been bringing you up to the minute update relative to what's happening at Menshia. And uh, we, we know that the talks are far advanced to try and get a board in place. Names have popped up relative to who becomes the board chairman. We are getting hint that uh, the immediate past board chairman, uh, Dr. Che, is likely to return as the executive board chairman. And uh, we're also hearing rumors that Frederick Echampong, uh, Frederick Achi, as is popularly called, is likely to be appointed the chief executive officer or general manager of Kumasiya Santikoto. These are all rumors. And relative to the managerial job, Prosper Nate Ogum, we understand, has been spoken to. Likewise, the former Black Stars coach, Kosia Pia, has also been spoken to. So, I mean, where is Menshia leaning towards between Kosia Pia and Prosper Nate Ogum, who is likely to become the coach? And even the board chairman, the names that have popped up, all fans of Kumasi Asantikoto, clearly you'll be interested. We'll switch to Kumasi and bring you some very juicy updates relative to what's happening in the camp of Kumasi Asantikoto. Here on Joe 99.7 FM and Sports Arena. And of course, we'll do a bit of transfer news. A lot has been happening. Arsenal finally have their man. Declan Rice has finally joined Arsenal. And he's looking forward to playing for the club. And of course, he's going to be playing alongside Thomas Partey, Martin Odegaard. And Arsenal seem to be signing quite a number of players. We'll hear from Declan Rice himself. 
Uh, he's been saying, you know, he's, he's proud, he's excited about the future of Arsenal, where Arsenal is heading towards, he's excited about it. We hear from him and we'll bring you more updates and help you appreciate exactly what Declan Rice will be bringing to the Arsenal team and what's happening in the camp of Chelsea, what's happening in the camp of Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United. And the latest news is that Harry Maguire is no longer the captain of Manchester United. Yeah, we understand Eric Ten Hag has taken the captain armband from him. Who is going to become the next captain of Manchester United? Well, we'll bring you all the filler also there. And we'll hear from Harry Maguire after the captaincy was taken from me. He had some very interesting messages to share. We'll get all of that for you on the show today. So it's super exciting. And uh, we have all of it for you. Daniel Cranton will join us pretty shortly. He's my co-host and producer, Nasa Michelle Aquino. And of course, today... The Wimbledon is coming to an end this weekend, and Maketa von Drusuva is the women's champion. We hear from her, and Onjabe, who was pretty much the people's favorite, failed to win. We hear also from her. Ongoing, ongoing is the one between Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz, and we'll see who becomes the men's singles champion in the Wimbledon. All here on Sports Arena. 055 997 055. 111997. Write this number down. That's our WhatsApp number. And in the course of the show, I'd love to hear from you. My name is Razak Musbao, and thank you for tuning in to Joy 99.7 FM. Yep, so like I mentioned, the Black Queens have started uh, on a very good note, bright note, I must say, uh, winning by three goals to nil against Guinea, and uh, it's looking good at the moment. The game on Tuesday at the Craftsport Stadium is at 4 p.m., and uh, it will be really nice for you to go to the Craftsport Stadium just when you close, just pass through there and support the ladies. They're doing really well. I think they're doing pretty well. They are, they are, it almost looks like the women's side are the ones who are you know, in Chile, they will say, you know, they are the one making us proud, if I should say. Uh, the men's side appear not to be impressing enough. And the 23 side went to the AFCON, they didn't do well. And the 20 side went to, you know, Wafu Zone B, Samuel Bidi's boys. They got kicked out in the group stages. So it hasn't quite worked out well for the men's side, but the women's side are doing well. And joining me on the line is Esther Abankwa, who is a sports journalist and has been following the Black Queens. Uh, in fact, all the female sides very closely. She's been following them. And also my colleague, Lawrence Beidou, is, uh, you know, our in-house women's football expert. I can call him that. Uh, they joins me on the line and they've been following the Black Queens and what Nora Haptel has been doing. And uh, they're going to really offer us some great perspective relative to what's happening in the camp of the Black Queens. Hello. Esther? Yeah, hello. Yes, good to have you. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. Yes, I am. I hope you are too. Good afternoon to our terrorist listeners as well. Oh, great, great. I can I can literally see your smiles. Although I can I can see your smiles. Your, your, your Sunday is going well. Let me check on Lawrence Bailey also. Lawrence, okay. Uh, we, are, we, we are yet to have Lawrence on the line. But let me start with you, Esther, though. Um, help us appreciate what is happening to the Black Queens at the moment. Something clearly is happening and it is... 
you know, I remember the operation they call it Operation Volta, and clearly it is heading in the right direction. Before we even talk about the game, bring us up to speed on what is happening to our Black Queens. Is that nice for me? Yes, Esther, please go ahead. All right, I believe that the Black Queens, as it stands now, are currently enjoying a gradual and very steady growth under the leadership of the new coach, the Swiss International Nora Hope she was appointed then in charge of the Black Queens. And if you look at the consistency that she has brought to the Black Queens camp, even in terms of the call-ups that she has been making, we've not had situations of inconsistencies in the various call-ups that she has made, the call-ups that she did against Ghana's double-header against the girl. We saw how consistent she was with it. And even the recent friendly that he played when against Benny as well, how they, she was consistent. Most of the players that were invited were brought on board. Even those that were playing um, domestically were equal chance and others to prove their worth and then ensure that they also fight for a slot so far as the Black Queens um, national team is concerned. And so I would say that as it stands now, we are enjoying a steady growth and consistency that Nora Hoftal has brought to the camp, and most importantly, the harmony that she has brought together with all her backroom staff, the wonderful work that they are doing um, often um, on the pitch and then off the pitch as well. It is really manifesting. If you look at how the girls, if you should have chats with most of them, they are very happy, and they, they will tell you that always when they come to, even those that have been playing domestically, after they are done with national assignment and they return to their respective clubs, you try having conversations with them, they will make it known to you that they always learn new things whenever they meet uh, Black Queens coach, that is Nora Hoptos. So I would say that Black Queens, it's not the previous Black Queens that was noted for in terms of it being inconsistent in performance, in terms of it not being able to appease and then ensure that it gives Ghanaians that kind of performance that all of us have been advocating for. This time around, there is a steady growth and we are hoping that it continues. Well, interesting. Uh, but let's just, let's just try and do a bit of a flashback. I mean, what, what, um, you know, where the Black Queens are coming from, really. You know, what, what, where are the Black Queens coming from? We know it's been a very... A tortuous moment in recent years for the Black Queen. Just to help us appreciate where they are coming from and so that people could better, you know, uh, uh, even appreciate the kind of um, change or let me say revolution that is taking place in the Black Queens. I believe that the Black Queens are coming from quite um, unfortunate um, past since the 2018 um, Women's African Cup of Nations that was hosted in Ghana, when they thought that they were going to go with the mantra of hosting and winning, they ended up being eliminated and the Gustav Strains could not work the way for them. And since then, that has been the unfortunate story of the Queens. They've not been able to give out their maximum best in all matches that they have played, in all tournaments that they have attended. If you look at the 2018 that I cited, fast track to the recent AFCON or in terms of the qualification that they played against the Super Falcons of Nigeria when they were hoping that they would be able to um, beat the Super Falcons of Nigeria and then progress and then make it to the Women's African Cup of Nations they ended up being eliminated at their crash for stadium when they lost very very painfully to the Super Falcons of um, Nigeria and since then that has been the inconsistent performance that they have been putting up and that 
has really meant them not to be able to become the powerhouse that they've always been noted for because previously we are talking about the Black Queens of Ghana. Definitely, we should know that they happen to have been one of those powerhouses, just like the Spofakons of Nigeria. The next after the Spofakons of Nigeria, you would always make mention of the Black Queens of Ghana. But in recent times, because of how they've been very inconsistent with their performance, we've seen the likes of Zambia, South Africa, who are even currently going to be part of the recent World Cup that is going to take place. We've seen the resurgence from other female national teams across the sub-region, and that is not the kind of performance that the Black Queens have been noted for, or perhaps that is not what the Ghana Football Association itself would have loved to see in terms of the pedigree of the Black Queens. So if you look at the recent performance of the team, how they've been so much on the average in terms of performance and how other national teams have surpassed the Black Queens of Ghana. And if you look at the last four games that they have played since the appointment of um, Swiss International, Nora Hopter, you would definitely appreciate the fact that for once, we are having a team that always scores and doesn't concede. That is a very huge plus to them. And whenever they are playing, you definitely see a pattern in their style of play. You definitely see that they are playing right from whatever they have been taught in their training. And that used not to be the Black Queens that we all knew, that they played that crucial qualifies as their craft post stadium and ended up losing even when the Super Falcons of Nigeria did not come to party that particular day. Well, interesting. That's uh, Esther Abankwa. You're here in form, uh, you know, great women's football journalist, you know, sports journalist, but really, really, uh, you know, inclined in the women's game. All right. Uh, Lawrence, Lawrence, I could, I could already, you know, sense your presence. Great. Lawrence is also our in-house uh, women's football expert. Uh, Lawrence, I'm coming to you now. I'm just going through the, uh, you know, uh, some of the players in the Black Queens. You're talking about Kujo Jennifer. You have Edri Janet. You have Eshon Linda. You know, you have the likes of Al-Hassan Adama. You have the likes of uh, uh, Margaret Kerry, uh, McCarthy Kerry, rather. You have Nyamiche Stella. You have Ousu uh, Mavis or say Victoria. You know, and, and Lawrence, you have been following the women's game quite a long while now. And, um, of course, we've seen also the rise in the women's game as far as the local league is concerned. You want to talk about even the uh, the, the women's, uh, the girls' tournament that took place at Rara Sports Stadium. You know, Ghana quite impressed, won the tournament. I mean, will you say that uh, the kind of, you know, growth that we have seen in the local game possibly is, you know, what is reflecting at the national team level now? Is that a fair... You know, assessment to make of the you know our, our women's national teams and the kind of performance they are putting up now. All right, thank you very much, Jack. Um, I feel for the past years, um, the women's game is where we are seeing development because if you look at the men's game, we tend to struggle. But then, if if you paid quite attention to the women's Premier League in the last three years, it's also the kind of growth we are experiencing. Um, and it's no, it's. It's no wonder that we are we are translating that into the national team. You look at the under seventeen, but for the fact that um, they faced um, a ban, they were on course to qualify um, for the World Cup. If you look at the under twenties, um, despite a poor performance at the World Cup, they come back and play the waffle, and then we're able to win it. The Black Queens uh, has been a work in progress for some time, and even the appointment of Nora Hopto uh, somewhere last year has contributed to this. And you see from their performances, because they played three games under Nora, 
and then they are yet to concede a goal, scoring 10 in the process. And um, sorry, they played four games, meaning all four, scoring 10, and yet to concede. So it's all the uh, kind of development that they, are made, they have made in the last um, few years. Well, you may you may mention the fact that they've not faced the Nigerians and then the Zambians, who, who seem to be dominating very well on the African scene. But then from the work um, that the Black Queens have done, uh, I, I thought they, they are quite on course to, to make a good progress. All right, uh, Lawrence, let me just stay with you still. Um, in terms of, of course, they are looking to qualify for the... Uh, Olympic Games in Paris on um, what do you call it on Tuesday they'll be playing the second leg of that very game against Guinea at the Craspo Stadium uh, you have those who are predicting um, you know pretty much uh, an, an easy win of a sort for the Black Queens on Tuesday and get to the next stage of the competition um, is that uh, something you also expect on Tuesday for them to do the business and look forward to the next stage of the competition do you, should, it be, should it be considered a done deal come Tuesday Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Lawrence, go ahead. Hello, Lawrence. Yeah, we, we seem to have lost Lawrence there. But uh, let me just bring in uh, Esther. Esther, uh, let me just bring that question to you. Um, based on the performance we saw in Guinea, should Tuesday be a done deal for the Black Queens? Well, I believe to have let my three go to zero in the first round. Um, definitely, it's going to be recent times, if you look at how football has indeed evolved, you know, uh, it would be very, very suicidal for you to say that it's going to be a dando, anything at all is possible. But then again, having monitored the progress of the Black Queens, you would definitely also appreciate the fact that there is that amount of optimism in their style of play. And for that matter, you can say that it would be very difficult for the Guineans to ensure that they overturn all the three goals um, deficits that they had in Conakry. It's going to be quite a different game. We've seen the Black Queens play at the Crash Post Stadium, and gradually it has turned out to be quite one of their favorite tests that they play on, and they always get the goals whenever they play there. And we saw it even in their friendly, the double-header friendly that they played against Senegal and the way they managed to get at least three goals. So, averagely, the Black Queens of Ghana and most of their games do have an average of one goal in all their games that they have played so far at the across-ball stadium. So, I don't think what the team that has been assembled by Coach Nora Hoptal, the players that are on board, the likes of Doris Boydua, who would on any day give you the results that you want. Players like Asantua Grace, who is equally very good in the heart of midfield for the Queens. And then in goalpost, one of those uh, flourishing goalkeepers who hardly concedes in games, and that is Cynthia and Findy Poole being goalpost for them. And then the likes of Janet Adri, one of those dependable defenders that you'd always have in your setup, who is always ready to ensure that she doesn't allow things to slug in terms of defense for the team. She's also a player that Coach Nora Hopter will be counting on. But then what matters the most has to do with the goals. And I'm so much optimistic that, that players like Asifwa and then Vivian, who equally scored for them when they went to Guinea, and then the likes of Evelyn Bedou and then Doris Boyd, who are all of them, all of these girls are all well capable of ensuring that they help Ghana to progress. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Esta um, let me just ask you this final question, though. Um, what do you think? Um, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking there's definitely a link between the performance of the Black Queens and possibly the increased patronage for the local game, the women's local game. I'm, I'm thinking that if the Black Queens are really able to go that far, qualify for the Olympics, is more certain most certain that there'll be some increase as far as patronage for the local game is concerned and so the black queens clearly will not just be playing to qualify for the olympics but they'll also be playing to help the local game is this you know something you you, you agree with definitely i would agree with you on that score because if you look at even most of the players that were given call-ups by coach nora Hotsoff, most of them do fly their trades domestically or locally for other teams a player like adam al hassan who flies her trade with army ladies who were also um, spared in the southern zone in the recently ended season for the women's premier league and then you look at players like um players that they were counting on doris boedou of hazakis ladies who scored in and Guinea is also on board. And if you look at the progress of some players like Justice Trenebua, who was in the finals of the Women's Premier League, maybe Sousu as well. And then um, Prisla, um, Princess Sousu, who was equally the top scorer for other teams. At least with the local players, we've had about 70% of these players that have been given call-ups playing in the domestic league. So it's also that the growth of women's Premier League in the country in recent times and its acceptance level by Ghanaians, the interest that it has generated in recent times definitely has given the Black Queens that edge that they want because for the first time in a while we've managed to get a Black Queens and team that has at least over 70% of these players playing in the Ghana League. So that tells you that clearly once the women's Premier League progresses, and then would also be able to have a very formidable um, Black Queens team that will be able to compete at all levels and then ensure that they give us the results. So I would say that uh, I would side with you on that score. The progress of the women's league is clearly having a very, very great print on the performance of Black Queens in recent times. Well, great. Esther, we appreciate your time so much. Thanks uh, for making time and uh, go and enjoy your fufu, I'm sure. Uh, you've got some goat meat on it somewhere in there, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so that's uh, Esther Abankwa, uh, sports journalist in Ghana here and also follows the women's game very closely. And just closely related to the women's game, the women's World Cup, it's pretty much 
uh, close. It's just about, I think, six to five days to the Women's World Cup coming up very, very close, imminent. And we have four African teams there. Morocco is in there along, uh, alongside Zambia. Uh, Nigeria is also in there and South Africa also in there. Zambia themselves played a friendly. Zambia is at the tournament for the very first time and they played a friendly with Germany and it was a thriller of a game. 3-3 that the friendly ended. For the Super Falcons themselves, they had an issue. They were, they were actually threatening to boycott, uh, threatening to boycott uh, the tournament, the first game of the tournament, because they were having issues with the, you know, Nigeria Football Federation over bonuses. The federation says they do not have money to pull them winning bonuses because of some package from FIFA. And uh, we hope that at the last time we spoke to a Nigeria journalist, they indicated that the situation was still the same. But the last update, we understand uh, the ladies have taken to the field and they are training, getting ready for their first game. So hopefully all of that has been resolved. And Morocco is also in there the first time for Morocco. South Africa there for the second time. And Nigeria, they are clearly, I mean, they almost always go to uh, go for that tournament. So uh, we wish them the very best and we'll keep tabs on the Women's World Cup and bring you up to speed on that very one. Of course, the uh, the contest between Carlos Akaraz and Nova Djokovic is still underway. And uh, at the moment, at the moment, um, yeah, it's, it's underway. And I'll tell you who is leading at the moment pretty shortly. Please do stay. Yeah, you're still listening to Joy 99.7 FM. This is uh, Sports Arena. And um, at the moment, as things stand now, um, it, it looks like uh, Djokovic has uh, saved some break point. Um, as they went into the third set, it was Akaraz who was leading. And, uh, you know, but at the moment, Carlos Akaraz leads Novak uh, by 6-1, 1-6, 7-6. And 6 1 in the men's singles final. So Carlos Akras is uh, at the moment, at the moment, leading Aston Stand. And for defending champion Nova Djokovic, he's seeking to record equaling 24th Grand Slam title. Uh, record equaling 24th Grand Slam title. That's what he's looking at. Djokovic uh, victory, of course, will equal Roger Federer's men's record of eight men's one building titles. And of course, uh, at the moment, world number one Akaraz is targeting second victory in a major. So it's uh, so much is at stake in this very contest. But uh, Carlos Akaraz is the one leading at the moment. And we wait to see what happens as far as that very contest is concerned. Will no uh, Novak Djokovic clinch his eighth title? Or it's going to be Carlos Akaraz who will be able to clinch uh, a second victory in the majors over there and in fact he's playing the finals for the very first time Carlos Akras the, fi the finals in the Wimbledon for the very first time the farthest he's gone is a quarterfinals and uh, he's been able to make it all the way to the finals at the moment he's leading Novak Djokovic himself we'll bring a more update on it but we're going to, going to switch now and just before we switch just before we switch after the game um, you know the Black Queens and Guinea Nora Huptel herself had a few words to share she she was quite excited about the performance of the girls and very much looking forward to uh, the game on Tuesday so we're going to hear from uh, Nora Huptel pretty shortly and then we'll try and have a little conversation about 
the black stars and the group they find themselves in. So this is uh, Nora Haptel after the game against Guinea. Abekusankofi. Um, yeah, I think uh, we had a good start in the Olympic qualifiers. We won this game 3-0. We arrived um, here, had some issues before the game, so the game needed to postpone uh, one hour later. Um, but we always adapt to all those challenges. I think in the beginning we also needed to get a bit attached uh, to this uh, very difficult grass here. Um, it's a very bumpy pitch when you are on it, um, but step by step, we entered into the game. We had a very um, stable start. I think um, the score should have been in the end much higher when you have the uh, chances. We have uh, the XG factor, so the rate out of these chances was a bit low. Um, but all in all, very stable. We worked in the defense, good on uh, the long ball, second ball. So we had a good analysis of the opponent. Um, and I think we didn't let them enter into uh, nearly any chances. So in the end, I'm very satisfied. We are looking forward to um, travel home to Madagama, and of course, uh, having the second leg at home. Yep, so that's uh, the head coach of the Black Queens. And, um, of course, um, I'm encouraging you to head to the Craftsport Stadium on Tuesday to support the Black Queens. They're doing well, and I think they definitely deserve our support at the moment. And, uh, well, so it was on Thursday, I believe, that the draw for the uh, qualifiers, for uh, the qualifiers for the 2026 Walker was done. And, of course, the Black Stars were placed in Group I, and uh, they were drawn in Group I. Um, of course, the draw was held in, uh, in, in Ivory Coast. That's where the next AFCON is happening. So, pretty much a number of the activities are moving there. And, of course, and uh, in the same group as Madagascar, of course, uh, <laughs> Madagascar. Yeah, the same Madagascar, the same group. And guess another uh, Comoros is in there also. You know, Ghana lost the Comoros 3-2 in the last half. Central African Republic are also in there. Then Chad is in there along, alongside Mali. And uh, they are the teams that we have to battle out with to try and secure a ticket in the next World Cup. Now, uh, if we, you have to come top of the group to qualify to the next World Cup. You have to be first in the group. Other than that, then you have to be among the four best performing best runners up you know yeah the team that comes second in the group you need to be among the best four play a mini tournament you win it then you play an intercontinental playoff to try and secure a ticket to the world cup so uh it's it's quite a tall order but uh i also have um I'm on Zoom now. He's going to join me to get his thoughts on this. And of course, and this is the part I really want to hear from you. So send us a WhatsApp message. What do you make of this group? What do you really think about it? I'm going to read all your messages. 055-1111-997. And also still on the show, we're going to go to uh, Kumasi, who will also bring you some updates there for Mencia. And also bring you some updates related to what's happening at uh, Kra 
hard to folk. So you want to stay with us here on Join at nine point seven FM. But now it's about um, it's it's about the black stars and uh, some messages are already coming to. This is you know we've not even started the discussion, but people are already sending comments relative to Kotoko. You know, uh, uh, issues there. It's a high joy sports for me. If Coach Prosper will accept Kotoko job, they should get rid of Nanaya Ponsai's management. For Arsenal, Rice is in to prove a point and party has a challenge. Black Stars can qualify on consistency. All the best for the Queens. That's Ajiman Joseph, Community 9, Tema, a.k.a. Ajingo, the man. Ajingo, thanks so much for sending the message. And, of course, we'll love to hear from you also. Now, let me get to Amankwa now and uh, get his thoughts on this very Black Stars group that they find themselves in and of course he is on uh on zoom with us amankwa hello amankwa are you there hello amankwa Just uh, connect to Amankwa. He's joined us via Zoom, just having a little technical issues there. But uh, this uh, birthday shout out, and they said, Happiest birthday, my special person, and by the name Martha. May God perfect and may God perfect and um, perfumed all the concerns, all that concerns you. Wow. I love this message. Let me just take it again. I, at the point, I was a little confused. Like, hey, this is quite an interesting construction. Is that happiest birthday, my special person, Martha? May God perfect and perfume all that concerns you. Wow, very interesting. My prayer for you is that you attain and achieve even greater heights than you have ever imagined. Live long in great health, joy, prosperity, and favor. I love you dearly, my special person. And it's from Sasa from sasa so sasa charlie you get vibes you get vibes you get vibes let me say a big shout out to also to jerome Autry and to the uh, porcupine warriors group um they're doing the listening so big shout outs to uh, the team over there so that's a uh, happy birthday to you martha from your darling person sasa but let me just take you through the other groups as far as the uh World Cup qualifier is concerned uh the groups are from a to i so it's quite uh, you know extensive one quite an extensive one so let me just uh, fetch it for you but while i wait to bring you that the the woman single in the tennis is over of course and it was a surprise unseeded maketa van der Suva is the one who you know won very surprising last year as at this time she was in london shopping you know she was she, she had had an injury and she was just shopping and just a year after she's winning the wimbledon 
very surprised and she beat Anjabe who is fair to describe as the people's favorite people everybody almost wanted her to win and they just out of the blue Maketa van der Suva put out some very very outstanding performance to be able to clinch it but first of all let's hear from Anjabe and she promised that she will come back she would definitely come back and she was very emotional after that very very loss to Maketa van der Suva so uh, first of all let's hear from uh, Anjabe and we'll hear from the champion herself Vandre Suva. Abeku Sankofi. Um yeah I think uh, we had a good start in the Olympic qualifiers. We won this game 3-0. We arrived um, here had some issues before the game so the game needed to postpone I will try to speak because this is very very tough but uh and I'm gonna look ugly in the photo, so <laughs> it's not gonna help. Um, uh, I think this is the most painful loss of my career. So. Um, first, I want to say congratulations to Marqueta and, and her team for this amazing tournament. <laughs> You're an amazing player and I know um, you had a lot of injuries, so I'm, I'm very happy for you. I don't know, I'm just, uh, it's going to be a tough day today for me, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to give up and uh, I'm going to come back stronger and head one against another. So that's uh, Anjabeh there promising that someday, you know, hopefully next year or something. Because last year she was in the final and uh, she lost, you know. And uh, this year again she's in the final and also also happened to have lost there. So um, we'll wait to see if Anjabeh will come back. But she clearly did her very best. But the woman of the moment is Maketa van der Suva, unseeded, yet managed to become champion in the Wimbledon amazing performance by our standard and uh, let's hear from here now i i don't really know what's happening now it's a you know amazing feeling <laughs> and uh yeah i mean onsa uh, congratulations and uh, you are such an inspiration for all of us and uh i i hope you're gonna win one day you know you're an amazing person and uh congrats guys you are do doing amazing job everything I've been through you know I I had a cast last year this time so uh, I'm just you know it's, it's amazing that I can stand here and and hold this you know it's uh, tennis is crazy it's <laughs> yeah I mean it's amazing to have uh, to have you guys uh, you know being here with me and uh, I just enjoyed the two weeks so much you know it, it was exhausting but uh, I'm just you know so so grateful and proud of myself well, you certainly should be. Now, just before we let you go, I know you're a bit partial to some tattoos, and I understand you're going to have another one to celebrate. Have you decided what you're going to have? Uh, I don't know, but I made a bet with my coach. Uh, he said if I win a Grand Slam, he's going to get one also, so Ooh. I think... Uh... <laughs>
<laughs> so that's uh, Maketa van der Suva there, you know, uh, interesting, very interesting uh, response there. Anyway, uh, in the men's singles final is uh, Carlos Alcaraz who's still leading Novak Djokovic, 1676. Uh, six one over there, so uh, we wait to see uh, what happens uh, in the uh, very, very uh, third set that uh, the fourth set actually that they are playing at the moment. So we wait to see, we wait to see at the moment in that very fourth set. It's uh, Novak Djokovic who's actually leading now 2 1. So uh, we wait to see what happens. We're following very closely, but let's switch to the black stars now. Of course, I mentioned that they're in the same group uh, with uh, Mali. Mali are such a stubborn side, stubborn side. The last time the black stars played them, it was in a friendly. Lost by three goals to nil. It was Siki Akono's first game, I believe, and we lost by three goals to nil. Central African Republic will struggle with them. Madagascar will struggle with Madagascar. It's only Chad in that very group that we are yet to face, have any competitive game against. We've played with more Comoros before, and um, I think clearly the players really mean Comoros. Wherever they catch Comoros, they will definitely show them something. Joining us via Zoom is Amankwa, and he's going to help us. Uh, let me just, uh, you know, try and uh, do some analysis of the Black Stars, uh, you know, grouping and, in fact, the walk-up grouping and all of that. Amankwa, thanks so much for making time to join us today. Um, I'm sure you're doing great this Sunday. Hello. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.
right, so let me just take you through the uh, various groups even before we talk about the Black Stars. Now, in Group A, Egypt is in there and um, uh, also in there is Burkina Faso and uh, Guinea-Bissau is also in there. Sierra Leone is also in there. Ethiopia and Djibouti are also in Group A. And that's a very interesting group. They're those who have tipped um, either Egypt or Burkina Faso to be the ones to be able to advance to the World Cup. So it's a very interesting group over there. And uh, some are even suggesting that Burkina Faso are likely to give Egypt a run for their money, a real run for their money in that group. So very interesting group in there. Not to suspect Djibouti, Ethiopia, Sierra Leone or Guinea-Bissau, but uh, let's just be fair as far as the, uh, you know, performance, current form and performance is concerned. These two teams are really the ones who we should uh, keep an eye on. In Group B, you have Senegal. You have DR Congo, you have Mauritania, you have Togo, you have Sudan and South Sudan. Now, there's one game I love to watch there. It's the game between Sudan and South Sudan. These are these are neighbors. They used to be one country and, you know, they decided to part ways. And all of a sudden, football is going to bring them together. So it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Not sure if they're going to play the games in their respective countries or they would have to play it on a neutral ground. But whatever be the case, I think there's an opportunity for some unity between the two sides. Very, very tense situation between the two sides. But hopefully, football will unite them. It was one pairing that I was super excited about. Sudan, South Sudan interesting if you know that uh you know the whole happening between these two countries then clearly she interests you to know that these two teams uh, countries are in the same group but senegal is a very very strong side now on the african continent so they will be looking to make it to the world cup dr congo is in there dr congo um they have been quite impressed in recent times so and like mauritania also togo since the exit of emmanuel adebayo they've struggled even qualifying for the afcon has been quite a a difficulty for them so uh, we wait to see but it's almost looked like a group that you tip senegal to advance it looks like so but we wait to see because anything can happen anything can happen now in group c you have nigeria cause why this is interesting is that just watch this closely in group c you have nigeria you have south africa now what comes to mind south africa where you know the weather country that we played ghana played before finally having to play nigeria to qualify for the 2022 uh, world cup so these are two countries that clearly do not seem to like ghana quite a lot south africa we know ghana and south african history you know amate's penalty and the brouhaha that followed it and um you know and when we went to face nigeria south africans were supporting nigeria hoping nigeria will kick ghana out well now they are in the same group and uh, they will have to fight for a ticket for the 2026 World Cup. Alongside is Benin. Benin are also in there. Zimbabwe. Now, Zimbabwe is interesting because just, I think, a week or two ago, uh, until a week or two ago, Zimbabwe was banned from participating in any FIFA-related activity. You know, they were banned because there was some government interference in their football uh, just a week or two ago. Then it was just when the ban was lifted. And now they even have the opportunity to play in the World Cup qualifier. So Zimbabwe gets to return, uh, uh, you know, as far as the competitive space is concerned. Then Rwanda is also in there. Lesotho is also in there. So very interesting uh, teams there. Quite a number of South African teams, South Africa, uh, you know, uh, Lesotho, Zimbabwe, you know, quite closer to themselves in some respect there. So we wait to see what happens there. Very, very tight group. It's very difficult. It's not a group that you can easily call. But you think Nigeria maybe maybe might uh, want it so much more. But how about South Africa? The last time they were in the World Cup was in 2010 when they actually hosted it. 
and Patrice Metsepe, CAF president, of course, he would love to see his country there. So uh, he he will definitely do whatever he can as far as supporting the boys financially in any way to try and qualify. But Nigeria also will be a great uh, competition. So it's a very interesting group, Group C. Then in Group um, D, you have Cameroon, you have uh, uh, you know Capo Verde there, you have Angola, you have Libya, you have Eswatini, you have Mauritius. Very interesting group. And I have to be honest with you, when this group was done, the cameras went onto the Cameroonian FA officials there and they were literally celebrating. They were celebrating. They were happy to have had this group. Not sure why. Eswatini, of course, you say, well, they might not have the, 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 the metal to compete against Cameroon. Mauritius, Angola. Yeah, Angola, you know, but still not there yet. Capo Verde, they are trying. Maybe Cameroon. But Cameroon, they've, they've quite sometimes flattered to deceive. But maybe Samuel Leto will be able to get his team together and uh, qualify for the World Cup, just like they did in 2022. And um, it didn't quite work out well for them over there, though. But uh, hopefully they might be able to qualify. Now, in Group E, you have Morocco. You have Zambia. You have Congo. You have Tanzania. You have Niger. You have Eritrea and Morocco. But the kind of investment they're doing and the kind of performance they put up in the 2022 World Cup, they clearly will relish an opportunity to make a return to the World Cup there. Now, in Group uh, F, you have Cote d'Ivoire, you have Gabon, you have Kenya, you have the Gambia, you have Burundi, you have Seychelles. Interesting country, isn't it? Seychelles, Burundi, the Gambia. Now, Gambia is an interesting side. They are picking up at the moment the African continent. They are picking up really well. The under 17 side is doing well. And even the Gambian national team is really, really doing well. They are in good position now to qualify for the AFCON. And uh, it will be a great return for them. So, Gambia's football. Uh, you know, Gambia is really picking up as far as the football is concerned. I spoke to a Kenyan journalist on on Thursday after the draw, uh, Eric Njiru, and for him, he was less optimistic, very pessimistic about the country's chances of making it to the World Cup. In fact, I've been following conversation on the Kenyan uh, uh, Twitter space and even on Facebook, and there's so much pessimism that the team will be able to qualify so they have almost ruled themselves out so but gambia will relish an opportunity of the then gabon especially with the return of pierre Emerick Aubameyang, you might think they just will do what they can to be able to make it to the World Cup for the first time ever Cote d'ivoire will also hope to make an impression there in that group f in g there is algeria there's guinea there's uganda there's mozambique there's botswana there's somalia and a very interesting group there also algeria you know, it'd be easy to tip Algeria, but Guinea can also be stubborn sometimes. They can be stubborn. In Group H, you have Tunisia, you have Equatorial Guinea, you have Namibia, you have Malawi, you have Liberia, you have Sao Tome and Principe uh, over there. Of course, Tunisia were in the last World Cup, so they'll definitely look to want to make a return there. The Mali, um, Ghana, Madagascar, Central African Republic, and Comoros make Group I. Now, let me just get to Amankwa now, and hopefully. Uh, the line has connected much better now. Um, Amankwa. Hello, Amankwa. Amankwa, can you hear me? All right, so uh, we are struggling to hear from Amankwa. But so uh, that's the grouping. I'm not sure what you make of the Black Stars and their, their performance, you know, as far as um, the group is concerned. Let me just get back to Amankwa now. Amankwa. Amankwa. Hello. Great. I can hear you. I hope you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Wonderful. We were struggling to connect to you, but finally, thankfully, we've been able to connect to you now. So, uh, great. I'm sure you follow the, you know, the, the, the pairing, the draw for the 
uh, World Cup qualifiers, all of us who were there, you know, I'm not sure if you were on tenterhooks like others, you know, but I was quite, you know, a little tense because there were certain countries I didn't want in my group, frankly. I didn't want in Ghana's group. And the group that we have, relatively, I say it's okay. It's not bad. It's not bad, is it? I want quite, is it? Let me get your first impressions uh, when you saw the group. I think it's not bad at all because we drew the to my in my opinion the weakest first seed in the pot one. That's Mali. Yeah. So out of the top teams in the in the draw from pot one, I think Mali is the weakest. And I think we stand a chance of beating Mali uh, better than beating the likes of let's say Egypt or Nigeria. So I was I was very happy when uh, Mali was in our group. As for the rest of the teams. We we can beat them, but I don't think we'll beat them convincingly. In, in, in terms of the approach, though, in terms of the approach, what do you think? Of course, we know that Chris Hutton at the moment, and as much as he has an eye on the qualifiers, he clearly has his eyes on qualifying for the AFCON because we have one final game to qualify for the AFCON, you know. Mm -hmm. So his focus is a bit more, you know, inclined towards there. So but let's talk about it because it's real the games are going to start in november and in terms of the approach what do you think the approach should be some have said that the ghana should do its very best your home games quarter quarter win win the home <laughs> games like to say home games in the dear charlie win and win it well and i think that is a very fine strategy then you go to central african republic you give it to them small comoros you 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 revenge Chad, you tell them, Charlie, it's not ready yet. So you will stay there. Then when you go to Mali, you see them. Zero, zero, draw. <laughs> tell me, what do you think the approach should be? This, this is what people are saying. You think it's it's a good strategy? Yeah, I think it's, it's the perfect strategy. If you follow the trends in African football since, like, let's say the 2010s, you realize that from inter-club competitions to continental competitions, it's the home games that you need to win. Like, you need to win and win convincingly. If, if it's over two legs, it's even more, like, um, emphasis on winning the first leg. But with home and away ties uh, in a, a six-team six group, I think uh, getting the 18 points is, uh, I mean, 15, sorry, is, is the only way to top our group. As for the away games, we can draw all of them. We'll stand a chance. <laughs> That's, that, that's interesting. We can draw all of them and stand a chance. Um, you know, well, what's interesting is that I was, uh, I, there was there was a sound of the, I'm not sure if we have it, maybe we might have it, the sound of the Central African Republic coach. And he, he was very, very humble relative to his ambitions. He said they want to, they want to chop second in the group. <laughs> he said they want to chop second because, and you know, the second with very good points tally. So they could play that mini tournament and the intercontinental playoff and hopefully qualify. He didn't even tip himself to win the group, but you, you look at the history that, uh, uh, in terms of the head-to-heads, recent head-to-head. Madagascar, Ghana is here to win a game against them. Our last game against them, we couldn't win it. Uh, Central African Republic, our last game against them, we couldn't win it. Comoros, our last game against them, we couldn't win it. Uh, Chad, we are yet to play a game against them. Even Mali themselves, our last game against them, we couldn't win it. So, clearly, for these countries, there, there will be some element of hope in them that Ghana is still not the side that they used to be the, the conquering side they are side that you can hold and you know be able to get a good result out of them do you think this perception really about ghana is really going to help the black stars because if teams are coming to the game not fearing you 
that can you know it can be it can be a problem yeah i i feel it, it will be a very big problem down the line because like the like every coach every national teams their scouts their analysts they are always watching their potential opponents and our last two games which were the calf qualifiers i think against angola we weren't we didn't look good at all like it, it was a very poor performance and this is the kind of stuff that their coaches will look at and they'll tell the team when we are going into the match day that look we saw these guys against angola they didn't play well so if they come away to us we can give them a better like a better match so this is the kind of thinking that these teams will go into their their whole, their whole matches which is our way matches with and that's what we really make it more difficult for us well interesting but, but let's to look at the team though um especially in the lead up to the walk up let me even start from the game against nigeria we saw a number of players called to the side we managed to fix something qualify to the walk up and eventually you know we saw the squad that the squad that really went to the walk up the performance some said is okay etc and chris Eaton, you know since taking over he hasn't changed the squad much he pretty much maintained the same squad that uh, at the World Cup, but the performance has not been the best. And I think one thing that has not gone on the side of Chris Eaton is the fact that he hasn't had quite a number of games to play. And a lot of people were surprised that in the recent inter uh, uh, you know, international window, was surprising that he had just one game to play. When he had, you know, could have arranged maybe one more game even before they travelled. And after they travelled, could have had maybe about three games. But he had just one game to play. The next time he's going to get a game is in is it september i believe when we play our next friend uh, 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 afcon final afcon game then we have some friendly against usa you look at the number of games at the disposal of chris eaton is not so much so and with the World Cup qualifiers coming up in in in, in november clearly chris eaton needs a number of games if there's a an opportunity, an international window opportunity, he should have at least three games. Because at the moment, how many games has he played now? Is it three games? And it's not enough for him to be able to effectively implement the strategy he wants as far as how the Black Star should play is concerned. And, you know, people are raising concerns and calling on the GFA that get Chris Eaton more games so that gradually he could get the Black Stars to play how he wants them to play. Well, what's your take on that? I, f I feel like Ghana, um, since the 2019 season, I think the last AFCON final we reached, our cycle has never had any consistency, regardless of who has been coaching us. There's no been, there's no been consistency or structure. When these guys come in, they just tell them that you have to qualify us for tournaments A or B. That's the only mission. They don't organize any friendlies. There's, like, there's no structure. There's no set pool of players to pick from it's just all over the place and it's one of the things that has affected us to uh, to date 2023 where we went to the world cup and there's the squad we used there and the squad we are using for these past few qualifiers there's there's so many changes inside so it's, it's quite disappointing and i think it's one of the things our footballing authorities they need to work on if we are bringing in a new coach it doesn't matter who is in charge like you should give him these avenues to play more friendlies even if it's not with the first team you can i uh, these b team games a lot of countries will play against us in the off season with their team b we can use a mixture of the galaxies and some of these young guys from under 20. like we should find a way to 
like get these players to play in front of Hilton in a non-competitive setting. So at least you can see what some of these guys can do. Because as it stands, he's only coached all competitive games since his camp. He doesn't have time to view who is better, who is worse, who has potential, who needs to be out of the team. He just he's just playing to win, and that doesn't help our team in the long run. Well, that's uh, that, that's very interesting. I mean, you compare to uh, the Black Queens, for instance. Prior to them playing the uh, Olympic Games, uh, 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 playing the Olymp- Olympic Games, they had quite a number of friendlies. You know, I think they played one against Benin, and you know, Narahapta was able to use that to assess the team here and there. And now you are looking at the performance they are putting up when they travel to Guinea. You know, and it's surprising. It's surprising that the, the Black Stars seem not to be getting that opportunity there. But in terms of the quality in the team, in terms of the quality in the team, we know Mohamed Kudus is in there, Thomas Partey is in there. And we'll, we'll come and talk about what is happening at the club level of some of these players and if that is going to impact the Black Stars in any way. Talk about someone like Thomas Partey. What's happening in the Arsenal squad at the moment is going to have a real battle with Declan Rice for a spot. We'll ask questions about whether Thomas Partey should consider moving. Mohamed Kudus has made a return to Ayas and even his captain has decided to leave Ayas because he believes there's not enough quality in the team and he's run away to Teki, to Izifanabaki or Besiktas, Dusan uh, Tadej is moving to. You know, and, and how these dynamics at the club level is likely to impact the team at the, at the, uh, at the national level. But, I mean, in terms of the squad we have, of course, like I keep saying, it's important to emphasize that Chris Eaton might be looking at the AFCON qualifier, but it's also important to have a conversation about that. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Walk up. Because Charlie, it be USA. The team is AB USA. I want to call you, Bob. It be USA that they play the walk up for. They have to qualify. Because boys' yeah. life is on the line. Understand? <laughs> yeah. Charlie, I understand people have started picking up uh, uh, registration forms for the supporters you don't know. <laughs> I hear that. Charlie, forms for the Ghana Supporters Union. Charlie, you know, you know, boys, they pick. Boys, they pick. Because it looks like, Charlie, an opportunity to go to the U.S. has come. So they have to, they have to pay attention. But let's talk about the squad, though. Do you think we have the squad or something? And if anything needs to be done to the squad, what needs to be done to ensure that we start our qualifiers well and we don't get entangled in any calculations and Charlie, let's go and play the mini tournament and Charlie, too long story. What do you think about the squad and what needs to be done? In general, I, f- I feel like um, for this squad in particular, there's there's... A couple of players where I think I think they need to be phased out because this current cycle, we are using it from 2023 to the next Afcon, to the next World Cup. I think there will be two Afcons between now and the World Cup. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, we'll have a, quite a number of tournaments and qualifiers to play for the next World Cup. And that three years, some of these players will be 36, 35. They will not be obvious, so I don't understand why they are still in the team. But as for the quality, I feel like there are some up-and-coming like young Ghanaian players in Europe playing at very decent levels who can offer us like something fresh and new in the team. Because looking at this squad, a simplistic breakdown, our goalkeeping department is very decent. Our defenders, we've never lacked um, we've never lacked defenders at Black Stars level. All of them play at a competence level. 
maybe the fullback areas, but it's been improving for some time. The attack, we have a lot of attackers who score at club level, but when they come to the Black Stars, that's the issue. And that leads me to the points. Our midfield, that's where the issue has been for us a, a lot of years. We, we lack players who who are able to connect. The, I think that's key. Yes, the players who are able to connect defense to attack because you can't put all that load on Pate and Kudus. They need players to connect the, the two of them. So Pate will take the ball in the middle of the park. Kudus is ahead of him. We need that one player who is able to take the ball and mediate between the two of them. It makes their work easier. It makes our attack better. And as it stands, I think that's more of a serious issue than uh, we, we consider it to be. Because if we don't have these type of midfielders, we won't go anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> All right, great, Amankwa. Um, well, we would love to have our listeners also join us in this conversation. Like I mentioned, we uh, really want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, then four lines are open, 030-221-6541. 030-221-6541. And the, questions we ha- the question we have for you is one, which part of the Black Stars team needs to be improved for Ghana to be able to qualify to the World Cup? Which part of the team? And of course, Amankwa, you know, made reference to the midfield and some are talking about the attacking position. Some are talking about defence. Some are saying our goalkeeping department. Hey! Charlie, the goalkeeping department, they check like boys and they don't trust the you. Atizigi, Atizigi, they do the job, oh, Charlie. Amankwa, check Atizigi, they do the job, but the boys don't trust them. Jojo Wallacott is also in there and Manaf Nuruddin. Some are saying, Charlie, still, we have to go and look for a goalkeeper. So that's the question for you. <laughs> I don't know which goalkeeper because Dalai Ibrahim, Charlie, the guy go down and do the tournament. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Yo, yo yeah. it wasn't easy, crap. So let's hear from you. The four lines are open now. 030-221-6541. 030-221-6541. Uh, which part of the Black Stars team do you believe needs to be improved so that the team can qualify for the World Cup? If you had which which team, which is our striking department, is our midfield, where, where, what do you think? So join us right now. We know they are great football analysts all over Ghana. Let's hear from you and uh, we'll definitely uh, get you to, to speak to us. We have our first call on the line already and uh, we're just going to speak to him now. Hello, your name, where are you calling us from? Yeah, I'm good evening. I hope you're doing well. Great. What's your name? It's Ajima Joseph. Sharp, sharp, sharp. Let me hear from you, bro. Yeah, for me, I think... The midfield and attacking, I mean, for, uh, area is what we need to be strengthened. Mm. Because at a point in time, the last match, we, the game we played, it looks as if the midfield was broken. And why do you take off Jordan, who was his heavy defenders? And he didn't someone to supply him. Then after take, uh, after you take uh, Jordan, then you add Kudus to the area, who was, I mean, eventually out of the game. You see, he's within, I mean, I'm expecting a lot from him because he was with the team during Otuado's time. So this team shouldn't be new team to him. You understand? We need, I mean, strikers who can convert half chances into goal. And we need to pair two midfielders, offensive midfielder, defensive midfielder, so that the ball will not pass them. And we always have control, putting pressure on an opponent for the attackers to score. Mm, you understand? Yeah. So it looks as if we haven't gotten our first 11. That's our problem now. But we have a lot of players on 
on, on a squad, but how do you use them is the problem. That is great show. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, we appreciate uh, your time there. Thanks for calling. You can also call us right now. And uh, while we wait for the call, Amakwa, what, what do you think of that, though? Is, you, you, you agree You agree with him there? You know, you, you of course, you mentioned the midfield. But for me, I just think that's our attacking front. We need a striker. Charlie, we they try Jordan, but it's know the job. Inaki Williams too. Charlie, the guy come. Amakwa, Charlie, you know, let's go to Gozo. You know, so... Hello? Uh, is he done? Yeah, yeah just, just hold on. We have a caller. Hello, you're never calling us from. Hello. Yeah, can you lower the, the your the you know the volume of your radio set because the feedback is massive. Just great, I can hear you now. All right, go ahead. You're never calling okay, us I, from. I think our, our problem is the, is the mixture. The thing is like being a parent that is not helping us playing party and service together. Both of them are mostly defensive minded. So you should get party or um service. All of them to stick like a defensive mission and get someone who is a traditional number eight, like Ashimeru. When he came on against Angola, you see he was progressing the passes very well. Then Kudus will have the fuel because he can dribble, he can hold on to the ball. Then he can penetrate the things. So playing service and this one, party is not giving us that creativity in mission. I think the Black Stars team is very good. It's just that that pairing is making is making the team too defensive. So there's no creativity. I think I think that's the only problem. Well, yeah, the attackers are good when they get the supplies, they were able to score. Mm. It's just the creativity level because of two defensive midfielders. I oh. think that's the problem. All right, thank you very much. We appreciate the thought. Uh let's also we have another call on the line. Uh people are talking about the midfield. They say there's a problem in the midfield. Mm, creativity in the midfield. All right, we have another caller. Hello, you're not calling us from. Yeah, Raz, this is Kisi from Union. Sharp, 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 bro. What they happen? What they happen? What they happen? Yeah, Charlie. Charlie, we did, we did for you. They listen, joy. You know, Solid. the best in town. Ah, sharp, 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 sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our problem, I believe our problem is the whole team. Okay. Oh, uh, the the goalkeeping uh, aspect of our game. I, I should, I, I think you should, should, all of them, crap. They should have their game. See, the the the, the goalkeeping side, not for. Attack even the strikers there, Konkra. We still can score goals. Ghana can Blaster cannot score more than two goals in even one game. Hey, I know we are definitely going to qualify. If we can't qualify uh, from this group, matter, then we, we, we just stop playing football in Ghana. I bet we are going to qualify. But especially the goalkeeping side and then the strikers. Please, Chris Hutton should do something about because we. They can't score. Our problem is scoring. Please. Thank you very much, Razak. Thank you very much. Yeah, our problem is scoring, he says. Okay, we have another caller line. Please, before you call, I just lower your radio set, okay? Because the feedback is is is. I have I'm a very young man. My ears, Charlie, know me now. <laughs> All right. All right. Your name is calling us from, please. Hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah, your name where you're calling us from, please. Yeah, this is Kikifobia. Ah, okay. Nice one. Nice one. Go ahead, my brother. Um, um, we need to strengthen our blaster from A to Z. You know, the local league should start right immediately. So that we gather some players from there to join the blaster. Because the squad is not, the squad now we have is zero. Hey. We need to do something right now before it's. But tell me, zero pounds. Muhammad Kudus is zero. Even oh, Muhammad Kudus oh, is zero. Mama, you see, you see now, Africa, 
everybody is, 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 is waking up now. Except Ghana. Ghana, we are, we are down to the deep now. Mm. So we have to wake up. We have to wake up. Okay. You understand? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to strengthen the team right now because all things get handled. Mm. Yeah. It is not joke. This thing you are talking now is not joking. We shouldn't joke at all about this wake up. Yeah, I they like that thing. I they like that thing. We shouldn't joke about at all. Chale. No, we shouldn't joke. If you USA, Charlie, we shouldn't yeah. joke at all. Yeah. We shouldn't joke. So yeah. we should wake up now. We should wake up and put this at the right time. Yeah, sharp, Charlie. Sharp before before you great first. Great. Thanks so much for calling. We appreciate it. Let's pick our final caller. Uh, we have to bring you up to speed what's happening in the uh, European front and wrap up with the Black Stars conversation. Hello. Yeah, hello, this is Ajiman. Just come tonight, Shaman. Ah, Ajiman. All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go um. Ahead. I think the scoring ability is what we are lacking most. Mm. Because if at a point in time you see Kudu scoring, Jordan is not scoring, Dedea is scoring, Pate is scoring. I mean, what is the what are the strikers doing? And in a match, you don't ask how much did you play, how much did you score? Mm. We'll be sitting on the tenter hook waiting for a goal. Even a single goal before a single goal will come. Then I mean 90 plus. Is it because of the way the game plan of the coach or is our strikers who are lacking goal scoring abilities. Mm. Look at Samoyan's time. As Samoyan will convert a half chance for a goal. Look at the game against England, how he was able to swerve them and score that goal, the friendly match. Look at the USA game, he chested the ball, they were bringing him down and say, no, I have to score my goal. Is this kind of strikers that we need? And what are they doing? We pick them from their various clubs. They are doing well. But when they come to Ghana, they can't score. Mm. I think the coach has a work to do on the strike, Charlie. Great. Pick up yourself. All right, Sharp. Thanks so much for calling us. And uh, we appreciate all of you for calling. And uh, yeah, we, we really have to wrap up the conversation on the Black Stars. But Abankwa, let me just get your final thoughts on this. We need to switch to open football. And I'm going to be doing this with you, of course. But let me get your final thoughts. At least you've heard from the general public. Uh, it's concerns about pretty much every department of the game the strikers the midfield the defense even the goalkeepers the concern it's a new concern is there um your final thoughts on it hello amankwa are you there uh amankwa please unmute all right so we are we are struggling to hear from amankwa and uh, of course we'll, we'll try and get his final thoughts but let's switch to uh, the transfers now, and Arsenal finally have their man. Declan Rice finally joined Arsenal. It's £105 million that Arsenal had to pay for their man. It's, um, we understand, is is a record transfer between two British clubs. And uh, Arsenal finally have their man. They've spent quite a lot, quite a lot. And it's surprising to see that Arsenal are spending this huge money on a midfielder. It means they have identified the midfield to be a major challenge and they're getting themselves ready for next season. Well, Declarize, uh, he was pretty excited after joining Arsenal. And um, yeah, let's hear from the man himself, Declarize. You know, he's looking nice. I like his voice though. He has quite a heavy voice and it sounds smooth. Here's Declarize. And shout out to all Arsenal fans. You have your man now. First of all, I just want to say a massive thank you to, you know, the Arsenal fans for the, for the support so far. You know, it's been overwhelming, really. Obviously, there's been a lot going on, a lot of speculation for months. But obviously, as a player, you want to get things dealt with as quick as possible. So you're settled and, you know, today I've had my first day. So, you know, I'm feeling really at home. As you say, it's been a busy time, let's say, the last few weeks. But what's it been like for you? How have you been feeling? It's been a bit overwhelming, obviously, because of my relationship with West Ham and the love and support I have for them. It's, it's been really hard to, to walk away. But letting football, amazing opportunities arise. 
big clubs like Arsenal, you know, have, have, have come for me and, you know, it's really hard to turn down. You know, you only ever get one career and I really believe in what Mikel's building here, what the, what the squad is building and I'm really now looking forward to the future with Arsenal. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge decision for you, a big moment in your career, but what were the factors that convinced you that this was the right move for you? I think I've been looking at Arsenal over the last couple of seasons and the trajectory that they've been going on. Not last season, the season before they finished fifth, but you could see the style of play Mikel was implying. And then last season, obviously, outstanding season, you know, blew, blew every team out of the water pretty much. I think with, with Mikel, how he works, you know, the squad, how young everyone is, the energy now around the club, and also the challenge, you know, the challenge of now getting Arsenal back to where they belong. You know, that means a lot to me, and I know the fans really want that. And, you know, me as a player, I've come here really hungry to have more success and to spend my best years at this at this great club. So that's uh, uh, Declan Rice there, uh, you know, clearly looking forward to making impact at Arsenal um, over there. Well, Arsenal themselves played a friendly game against Nuremberg, German side. It's ended one all. And uh, it was, you know, just friendly game, not too intense. But um, in terms of some other transfers also, uh, Inter Miami have confirmed the signing of Lano Messi. He joins the club and uh, it, was, it was a decent unveiling of the man himself. And also as far as the Saudi movement are concerned, uh, we understand Jordan Henderson is very, very, has attracted strong interest from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Al Etifak, that's the club that Steven Gerrard actually coaches now. They have had discussion with Jordan Henderson and Jordan Henderson has uh, agreed to join them. And all that is left now is the, uh, what is the name, the, uh, the, the, for Liverpool and Al Etifak uh, to agree on the price. We understand Liverpool wants something in the region of £10 million and they're trying to talk about it so they could come to some understanding relative to how much they have to pay for Jordan Henderson. We also understand that Fabino, Liverpool's Fabino has also attracted interest from Saudi Arabia and Liverpool are in fact open to letting him go. Very interesting, open to letting him go. And uh, the player is also very keen to move into Saudi Arabia. Already we know Roberto Firmino has ended up at, uh, what's his name, at um, uh, Saudi Arabia. Cristiano Ronaldo is already there. Edward Mendy there. Benzema and Ingolo Kante already started training. Uh, for at uh, Al Ittihad in Saudi Arabia, so that's um, already happening there. At Manchester United, I mentioned earlier that uh, uh, Eric Ten Hag has indicated that Harry Maguire will no longer be the captain of the club. Will no longer be the captain of the club. Of course, we know Harry Maguire became the captain under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, in Eric Ten Hag's first season. He kept him on as his, uh, what's his name, his captain. But uh, he spoke to Air Harry Maguire and the statement that, in fact, Harry Maguire released, I'm going to get it for you. But just quickly, in terms of the update from the men's final uh, between Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz, they are going into the fifth set. Into the fifth set. So, and uh, that is going to determine the winner of the what do you call it? The uh, the singles, uh, the the men's single, the fifth set. Now, they both have won two sets, and uh, so the fifth set will determine who wins it. Very very tense moment over there. But uh, let's just stay on Harry Maguire and let me bring you that statement by Harry Maguire. Uh, I'm not sure if Amankwa is on now. I'm sure we'll try and get him, trying to get him on the phone maybe. But uh, let me just get you that statement from Harry Maguire. He says that Eric Ten Hag spoke to him and explain the reasons very curious to know the reasons why uh, uh what's his name uh uh what's his name 
uh, Eric Ten Hag decided to take the captaincy from Harry Maguire. But Harry Maguire said Eric Ten Hag spoke to him. And in fact, um, so let me just read the statement out for you. It said, after discussions with the manager today, he has informed me, this Harry Maguire speaking uh, in a statement he posted on social media. He says, after discussions with the manager today, he has informed me he is changing captain. He outlined his reasons to me. And whilst I'm personally extremely disappointed, you hear that? He said, whilst I'm personally extremely disappointed, I will continue to give my all every time I wear the shirt. I want to say a massive thank you to Manchester United fans for all their brilliant support whilst I've been wearing the armband. Since the day I took on the role three and a half years ago, it's been a huge privilege to lead Manchester United and one of the proudest moments of my career today. I've done everything possible, everything I possibly could to help United be successful on and off the field. I will always be grateful to Oligan Associates for first giving me the responsibility and I wish whoever now takes it on uh, every success. Uh, what we understand is that Rafael Varane and Lisandro Martinez were favoured uh, over Maguire at the heart of United Defence last season. Of course, we know that. But what we are, uh, uh, what do you call it? What, what we are learning is that it's most likely, most likely that Bruno Fernandes Will become, uh, uh, will become the uh, head coach, uh, the captain of the side. Bruno Fernandes is likely to become the captain of the side over there. But uh, let me get Amankwa now. Amankwa now. And uh, Amankwa. Hello, Amankwa, are you there? All right. So Hello. Amankwa, great. Amankwa is on as via his phone. Amankwa, great. Yeah. Great, 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 great. So, I mean, that's uh, the latest. Let's just touch on that latest relative to Manchester United captaincy. Harry Maguire, we know he has attracted interest from West Ham. West Ham are interested in him. And in a very twist, sudden twist of event, Eric Ten Hag tells him, I don't want you to be my captain any longer. And he said he is extremely disappointed. Yeah, hello? Yeah, yeah, Maguire, I can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, Harry Maguire is no longer the captain of Manchester United. <laughs> Do you think, is it, is it, a, is it, is this a good thing? Is this good? For, I'm not sure how Manchester United fans feel, though, but uh, people are saying, thank you, Maguire, you've done your best. <laughs> uh, I think um, this this move is the latest for Eric Ten Hag to sort of stamp his authority at the club. Coming in fresh, he kicked out Ronaldo. And now he's taking the handband, uh, Harry Maguire. And he he saw the gears exit from the club. So those are three, like, very major. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. You took out the club's um, legend, the, the biggest legend they've ever had. You took out their longest serving goalkeeper and the highest earning player at the club. And now you've taken the uh, armband of like one of United's worst performers over the last two seasons. So I think it's, it's, it's a power move from the coach. 
you know, I was I was predicting that Bruno Fernandez will likely get the armband, and clearly we saw it last season. Whenever Maguire didn't play, Eric Ten Hag favored Bruno Fernandez as far as the captaincy is concerned. Do, do you think this is likely to cause any, you know, anything in the dressing room, or you think pretty much a number of the players will be comfortable with this decision, and maybe this is something some of the players have been calling for? I I, I I think I agree with you. It's it's something that the players will be used to. I mean, Bruno was already a vocal part of the dressing room since he joined the club, and I think putting the captain's armband on him in the absence of Maguire from the lineups is is something the team will be used to. So when he's confirmed as a permanent captain, I don't think it will cause any issues. Bruno, fantastic player for Man United. Uh, he's he's always there, always available, and he works hard for the team. So I think it's it's a good it's a good decision, if indeed it is confirmed. Great. Uh, of course, one thing I can also quite uh, say is that we shouldn't be surprised if we see Harry Maguire leave before the end of the transfer window, because all of this suggests that look, we want you out, we want you out of the club, and you know, and uh, his wages is clearly the issues. Yeah, if. West Ham can foot his wages. I'm sure Manchester United will be willing to let him go for some 40 million or so. But his wages are really high, and clearly he needs to uh, reduce his wages if he wants regular playing time. Not sure if Maguire will even be willing to reduce his wages, or he's going to be stubborn and stay there until 2025, like Hazard did to Real Madrid. Not sure what's going to happen, but we wait to see. But let's talk about Chelsea, though. Chelsea striking situation. It's surprising that after now, the only striker Chelsea uh, have signed is Nicola Jackson. Dato Fofana is off to Union Berlin on loan. And at the moment, Aubameyang is lingering around the training grounds. He's, somebody said he's standing in the bushes and looking whether Pochettino will call him. Aubameyang, come, come, come. <laughs> you know, but clearly, Chelsea have a serious issue with uh, their strikers. And they haven't quite signed any, you know, you, you say, statement striker signing yet. They haven't made any. Lukaku clearly want to go. And Pochettino looks like he's not going to keep the guy. Likewise, they're not going to keep Aubameyang. Nicolax Jackson into this season. Charlie, is this safe for Chelsea? <laughs> Personally, from the outside looking in, I think uh, matters as much as the same as the last half of the season where Chelsea appointed Lampard. I think that's what this first season with Pochettino is going to be. So, Todd Bowley, uh, Pochettino, and the decision makers at the club, they are basically going to give Chelsea uh, a free season, like, do, do whatever you want to, with both the club, uh, the coach, and the players. So, after this season, that's where the decision makers will know who to take out and who to bring in. Mm, interesting. But in terms of a striker, though, I'm just wondering, you know, and that's one thing sometimes you, are, you try to be fair with the owners. You look, at, you look on the market and you wonder which striker is readily available for the club to go in there and say, we want to cash, you know, just splash the money and buy him. Of course, you can talk about Harry Kane, but we know Daniel Levy would never allow Harry Kane to join Chelsea. It's never going to happen. He would not. Even if, I'm not sure how much Chelsea need to take <laughs> Daniel Levy to allow, you know, Harry Kane to come to Chelsea. It's almost never going to happen. But then some are, are suggesting maybe Pochettino should keep Lukaku. But clearly the guy's heart is not there. So if you were to recommend a striker for Chelsea, who will you recommend? Maybe Vlahovic, 
but he's already on his way to PSG, we understand. You know, but there's no striker on the market. Which striker should Chelsea possibly just go with? <laughs> Charlie, find striker for Chelsea. Which striker will you recommend for Chelsea? I mean, if if you look at the requirements now, you have to look for a striker who, who is available that you can buy, which rules out Hurricane. But don't sell him to you. Mm-hmm. You have to look for a good striker which rules another whole set of options out. And, you, and lastly, he has to be young to fit into the new Chelsea project. And he has to hit the ground running. Because one thing Chelsea have had a problem with with their number nine is that their recent number nine, when they all come in, they don't start well and they eventually flop. So looking at all that, um, if, 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 P- if PSG are willing to low, lower the price for Mbappe, I think he'd be ideal for Chelsea. Hey, Kylian Mbappe to Chelsea. <laughs> you think Kylian Mbappe will be, will be willing to sacrifice not playing Champions League football for one season? <laughs> I mean, if he leaves PSG to Chelsea, it's the same thing that's going to happen. They will make him the face of the club. They will, they will make him the technical director. He will ask for his own players, his own coach, his own system. So I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Oh, interesting. Okay, we'll wait to see uh, what happens there. Kylian uh, Mbappe uh, to Chelsea. Like, hey, Charlie, like, Chelsea fans will celebrate it like winning the, the Champions League. I tell you. <laughs> I'm telling you, Charlie. Chelsea fans will celebrate it like winning the Champions League. Anyway, um, Amankwa, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And um, uh, we're grateful. We'll, we'll try and uh, revisit the subject hopefully next week on Sports Arena here on Joe 99.7 FM. Amankwa, thanks so much for being a friend of the show. Yeah, thank, uh, thank you for having me. Great, 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 great. Wish you the very best there. So uh, that's Amankwa there. And that's where we draw the curtains on the transfer, as far as the transfers are concerned. Lots is happening. Lots is really happening. Uh, and uh, we wait to see. Now we have to connect to Steven Zando of our sister station Love FM and uh, get to know what is happening in the camp of Kumasi Asante Kotoko. It is very, very, very interesting. There's some Jews, real Jews, real this Comencia Jews, or let me say Zando Jews, Z- <laughs> my brother Zando Jews. <laughs> yeah, like. Charlie, you've got some real good juice for us, isn't it? Oh, oh, the juice day outside, I beg. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but tell us what is happening. The last time we spoke, you 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 brought us up to speed uh, relative to the the people that Michelle was speaking to for the coaching role. Uh, Prosper Nate Ogum. You mentioned Kosiapia. You know, they were all individuals that Michelle were considering. And there are concerns that ordinarily Manchester should concern itself with forming a board, get the board to, you know, form a management, and the management can go ahead and, you know, get a coach. But it seems Manchester is interested in all the affairs. But we understand there's some filler about the board. Tell us. Yeah, Razak, um, the last time we spoke, it was about Kosiapia because um, the former Black Stars coach was at Manchester Palace. He made a chief of staff and they discussed a lot of issues at Asante Kotoko. Um, but what we can also confirm is that, like you indicated, Dr. Prosper Gumnate, the former Santi Kotoko coach, was negotiating with Samatex FC. Basically, Samatex wants him to be the next coach of the club. And then uh, he told them to put the negotiations on hold because 
he had received a call from Mensha. So what we are expecting to happen at Mensha is that the former Santi Kotokokoe, Dr. Pospo Gumnati, is going to be at Mensha. I can't confirm the day um, to you. And we don't really know why Mensha, you know, has invited the former Santi Kotokokafa. But what we can also uh, reveal is that Dr. Pospo Gumnati has been invited to be at Mensha. Now, with regards to the board, the latest um, development coming in from Mensha is that according to our sources, um, there's a strong consideration for Mensha to name Dr. Kwamite this time as executive board chairman of the club once again. You know, he was the executive board chairman of the club before they changed the structure for him to be, for him to be the board chairman three seasons ago. Now, according to our checks, Mensha wants to go back to that old format where Dr. Kwamite will be appointed as the executive board chairman of, of, of the club. And this is where... <laughs> This is where the interesting part is. Dr. Kwame Che, we are told, wants GFA ESCO member Frederica Champon to be the general manager of the club or to be the head of his management. So two things you can confirm to you. Number one, there's a strong consideration for Mansha to name Dr. Kwame Che as executive board chairman of Asante Kotoko. And if that story is confirmed by Mansha, Dr. Kwame Che will appoint Frederick Champon to head the management team. Mm, 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 mm. Frederick Champon, that's the same, uh, you know, uh, chairman of the, uh, of the, you know, Black Matters Management Black Committee. Yeah. Management Committee is a very, you know, is is also a very very vociferous person as far as the media space is concerned. And you know, we yeah. follow him on some radio station in Kumasi. He's quite critical of, you know, Kumasi as and the management. But I mean, what what, what do you think? What what, what is Mencia? What's going into the, the, the consideration for Dr. Che? Because, you know, we know that Mencia was hoping for change, completely change, a complete departure from what we experienced. We saw the semen conflict between Dr. Che and Anaya Ponsa, and we thought Mencia was looking to just move away from all these individuals. But the consideration, the strong consideration for Dr. Che, what do you think is going through Mencia? What is Mencia thinking here? Well, Razak, um, Everybody in Kumasi, um, I know Fenchio will tell you this. Um, Dr. Kwamichi has a strong affiliation with Mensha and in Kumasi, they say the darling boy. And if you go through the letter that appointed the just dissolved board of Asante Kotoko, Mensha made it clear that they were appointing Dr. Kwamichi, the board chairman of Asante Kotoko, because he had solely financed Asante Kotoko. You know, that is why Mensha decided to give him the job. And that goes to confirm to you that, I mean, that strong affiliation is there. So maybe Mensha wants to revert back to the old former where the team will be given to one person to use the finances to resolve the club. Mm. And I can confirm to you that there's that strong consideration at Mensha to appoint Dr. Kwamiti. And I just heard you speak about um, Frederick Achampo. You know, IT is not only vociferous on radio. In fact, he has practiced journalism for over 25 years. And in terms of working at the club, he's got experience too. I cannot really speak about his successes at the previous club that he's worked with, but he has worked with Kevin FC, now Miami Sporting Club. And he worked with New Edubiasi. And I mean, before this particular development, he was with as good as the chief executive officer of the club. So in terms of experience at club side, in terms of club administration, Achi is out there in terms of experience and all that. But I think that Mencia is giving this job 
to Dr. Kwamiti basically because of the strong affiliation with the palace. That is what we can review. Mm, the deep pockets of Dr. Che appear to be appealing to Mencia and they think they need somebody who can, you know, offer the club the kind of financial support it needs to be competitive. But, you know, the question also in the Zando is that we know that Dr. Che owns a football club now in the Ghana Premier League, Nations FC. So it is a very interesting, you know, um, some would describe as conflict there. And even possibly you can stretch it to say conflict of interest. He becomes the board chairman of Kumasiya Santi He owns Nations FC. I mean, it, it, don't, aren't we foreseeing some potential conflict of interest there? So when this conversation on conflict of interest, you know, emerged some months back, we did our checks and what we unraveled was that the team paperwork and legal document does not belong to Dr. Kwamiti. Mm. The team rather belongs to his two children, and that's what you can put on record. So I don't really know where the conflict of interest may arise in this situation because if you mention Dr. Kramitia directly, he is not the owner of the club, but rather his children. That's what we can confirm. Mm, interesting. So as far as the paperwork are concerned, the Nations FC belongs to the children of Dr. Kramitia, not exactly. himself. Ah, very interesting. Very, very interesting. And no, the, no, but, but you see, Razak, mm -hmm. even before you continue, if you, as a journalist, if you decide to test the waters right now, mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the name of Dr. Kramite and Frederick Champion on social media, you realize that these two gentlemen are very unpopular on social media. I don't know what is really accounting for this, but when um, Ishwai FM and Love FM got this exclusive and we put it across, mm. Now, the, the reaction that we have gotten based on the information, based on what people have been saying on social media the last two hours, we broke the story. Mm. And it's not really good or it's not really going in favor of these two gentlemen. But why is that Basically, so? Why, why, why is that so? Why is, you know, because I, I, I get the impression that a lot of these people who are seemingly unhappy with the exclusive you got, I get the impression that, you know, they are Kotoko fans. It's, if, you, if you want to assume they are Kotoko fans. So why is it the case that Dr. Che and Freda Chi are supposedly unpopular among Kotoko fans. Because look, whoever becomes the leader of Kumasi and Sansu Kotoko, you need to be a man of the people. Other than that, mm, mm, you really want to struggle. Exactly, exactly. Whoever becomes the, the man, manager of Asante Kotoko needs the support of you know these fans you are talking about. Um, but I think that the, the, it was clear that there was a division on the Kotoko board. Dr. Kwamiti, we are told, had the members, some members of the board in support of his, his and also some also supported Anaya Ponsa. And the palpable discord that existed between Anaya Ponsa and Dr. Kwamiti is not secret. Almost everyone in this country knows about this. And so you realize that because some of these Kotoko supporters loved Anaya Ponsa and his administration, automatically your <laughs> the enemy of your enemy is also my enemy, that, that kind of thing. So you realize that some of these supporters because they supported Naraya Ponce's initiatives and all that, they didn't really like Dr. Kwamichi. I think that is what is accounting for that. For Frederick Champon, according to um, Kotoko supporters that I've spoken to, they say that um, he has been very critical of the Naraya Ponce-led administration, and for him to also be in line to handle this particular club, they felt that he was not showing respect to Naraya Ponce, and that is why they are giving him to him right forward center on social media. So yes, that palpable discord that existed between Ryan Ponza and Dr. Kwamite is really accounting for this 
even hatred between some of these fans and Dr. Kwame Jaya are talking about. Mm, interesting, very interesting. But, you know, the, the other side, the, the other question I would ask is that, is it the case that Menshia, the, 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 the decision makers, are they unfamiliar with this, with, with this feeling among the fans? Are they out of touch with the fans so much that they, they can't seem to get all, just maybe they are testing the waters, they are throwing the names out there to test the waters, to see the reaction of the fans. Do you think possibly that's what is happening? Or it is truly the case that Mensha is possibly out of touch with the fans of Kumasi Asante Kotoko? Like Mensha knows Asante Kotoko supporters. They know the club they are handling. And the club is very dear to the heart of Otun Fosei the second, His Royal Majesty. I cannot sit here and question his decisions. If this particular story we picked up is confirmed, I will go for it. What I want Asante Kotoko fans to do is that they should rather support the club. That's what we need to encourage instead of supporting the individuals. Whether you like it or not, Nanaya Mpwaza, Dr. Kwamichi cannot handle Asante Kotoko forever. Certainly, people will come and people will leave and all that. But the club will remain supreme. So if you're a fan of Asante Kotoko listening to me out there, I think you should rather be encouraged to support the club rather than supporting individuals. And I think rather that's what we need to do. Because if, for example, if your affiliation is towards one individual and that individual leaves, what happens to the club? It tells you that genuinely, you do not have the love for the club. And that's why we need to speak to the conscience of Atlantic Kotoko fans on social media across the country that the club is what we need to support, not individuals. Mm, I think that is very profound. Support the club, support the club and not individuals because whether you like it or not, these individuals will move on, especially yeah. when the club belongs to Menshia and Menshia are the ones who make the decision. So uh, uh, you need to support the, uh, what they call it, the, the individuals. But some, some will also say, some of the fans will say, well, if we see someone who is doing well, great intentions, taking the club in a direction that, you know, some believe to be a good direction, so why not support the person? You know, th th that's how some people are saying. They say they talk about Naya Ponsa, uh, what he he came to do with Kotoko, the initiatives he rolled out, etc. And some are genuinely saying that, look, this is good leadership. This is leadership that should be given time to get the club in terms of, you know, uh, establishing the club as a real powerhouse, technically, and all the others, administrative-wise. They believe that Naya Ponsa is taking the club in that direction and possibly should be kept and given time to do this wonderful job and not cut it short as has as clearly has already happened. Don't you think that's a fair argument for the fans of Kumasi Asenko to make to Menshia that this guy is doing well, we've seen the works, and should give him time? Well, that, there's no doubt in my mind that Nanaya Mponsa made a lot of gains at Asante Kotoko. Look, the guy, you know, handled Asante Kotoko using internally generated funds. This is not something we were used to at Asante Kotoko. And before he took over, in fact, in the last three years, the guy has brought in about 10 sponsors at the club, or if you like, partners at the club. And that's really huge. So I think that on that score, I give it to him, that he did some good job at Atlantic Kotoko. He made some gains at Atlantic Kotoko. But the technicality involved here is that Mencia did not directly appoint Nanayam Ponsa to handle the club. What Mencia did was that it put together a board, and the board appointed Nanayam Ponsa. But in the wisdom of Mencia, they think that the club should be moved into a different direction. So when the contract of the previous board expired in June this year, they felt 
they needed a new direction. And that is why they didn't allow the board members to continue their duty at Asante Kotoko. So I, I, I really have a challenge when we want to link in Mansia and Narayan Ponsa. The fact that Narayan Ponsa did well and is supposed to continue and all that. Mansia did not appoint Narayan Ponsa. And obviously, it is the board that rather appointed Narayan Ponsa. So if the board thinks, um, if Mansia thinks the board um, is done with its work and they should move on into a different, different direction, then so be it. So, like I said, Razak, I cannot really sit here and challenge the decisions of, you know, of, of Mansia Palace. We are just waiting for for the confirmation of all these stories that we are hearing. We have been told that Tuesday there's going to be a crunch meeting at Mansia Palace involving the board members of Atasante Kotoko. They just dissolved board members of Atasante Kotoko. Maybe after Tuesday, we're going to pick some positive news from Mansia. Well, interesting there, Stephen Zando. Very, very exhaustive uh, news there. But anything happening with uh, Ken Faisal? We know Elijah Grusa was very peeved, you know. Uh, any updates, you know? We saw him at the Congress. He wasn't exactly a happy man. He's uh, <laughs> made some wild allegations against the GFA president. Not sure if he has retracted them. But uh, did you have any news for us as far as, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Kim Faisal is concerned. And Nations FC also, they are looking for a new coach. We understand Kasim Mingo is in the run to become, you know, the head coach of the side because we understand he has parted away with Team United. Kobe Mensah is moving there now, and it looks like the likely destination for Kasim Mengel is Nations FC. Is this something you can confirm? And what is the status of Kim Faisal now? Okay, so, um, Raza, for Kim Faisal, you know, um, Alaji Guza, right after the appeals committee decision was delivered, he made it clear on our network, Love FM, that um, he was going to take the matter to Cass. And what he was waiting for is the official um, records of proceeding during the appeals committee sittings. And the last time that we spoke to our sources with Akin Faisal, what he told us was that they have officially, officially written to the Ghana Football Association requesting for the records of proceedings. And when they are done or where they get these documents, they will explore their chance of going to CAS and all that. Elijah Guza is really bent on you know, taking this matter up to CAS and all that. But what I can also confirm to you from the end of Kim Faisal is that they are in negotiation with um, young coach. Ignacio Sefosu to continue working with the club in the lower division, that's the division one. And so if that is also confirmed, it means that um, Ignacio is going to remain with Kim Fraser Football Club. And per every indication here in Kumasi, Kim Fraser is preparing to battle it out in the Ghana Division One League for next season. But what we can confirm is that the club has officially written to the Ghana Football Association requesting for the records of proceeding during the peace committee sitting to explore chances of going to CAS. Mm. For Nations FC, Kasi Mengo to Nations FC has been confirmed. Now, Mengo has taken over as head coach of Nations FC. You know, Kasi Mengo has been one of the most consistent coaches in the Ghana Premier League in the last three seasons. Look at um, the statistics at Bethany United in the last three seasons, it tells you that the club has been very consistent under Kasim Mingo. Now, what is it with um, Kasim Mingo that trails a lot of football fans in Kumasi is that he's got that natural knack of, you know, giving the opportunity to youngsters to, as it were, blossom with the senior team and all that. Typical example is Clinton Diodi. Um, fantastic young chap and all that from nowhere. He was even, I think he was even writing DCU or was he when he was to the return United and all, and, and, and all of a sudden he was a big name in Ghana football. So Nations FC have confirmed the appointment of Kasim or Kansemengo. 
going into the 2023-24 football season, and he's a very good coach that a lot is expected of him going forward. Well, great, Steven Zander. We appreciate your time, and that clearly has been very exhaustive. And um, we'll reconnect again on Monday. We'll get the latest on Mensha. Keep following it closely. We know we trust you at Insure FM. You guys are doing a wonderful job, and you've got all the Jews in Kumasi, so we'll keep you. We'll keep in touch. That's Steven Zando sure. uh, with our sister station, Lab FM and Insure FM. And a big shout-out to all the guys there, to Della, to uh, Bismakayala, to Fifi Manfred, and all the wonderful guys doing an amazing job in Kumasi at Insura Lava FM. Big, big shout-outs to you there. So that's it as far as uh, the uh, update from Kumasi is concerned. And um, as far as the tennis is also concerned, it's getting ever nervy, ever nervy in that final between uh, Novak Djokovic and Carlos Akaraz. Very, very interesting tennis. Beautiful tennis by all standard. And it is fascinating what Carlos Akaraz is doing to uh, Novak Djokovic in this final set. It is really, really, really tense uh, at the moment. And my word, my word, Carlos Akaraz is inching ever closer, ever closer, ever closer now. So we'll bring you some update just before we wrap up now, pretty shortly. So we'll bring you some quick updates as far as the tennis is concerned. Very shortly, like I told you, uh, Akaraz is uh, is inching closer now, inching closer. No, Djokovic, you could almost feel the the, the tension. Oh my God! We'll, we'll speak to Raymond. He's a boxing man. You bring us up speed very pretty quickly. But let's get to boxing now because the uh, Ghana Amateur Boxing Championship, Amateur Boxing Championship, happened over the week. Uh, at the Accra Sports Stadium. They're selecting a team for uh, a completely new Black Bombers team for the African qualifier, African Championship qualifiers and also for a few other tournaments that are coming up. And uh, and it is Carlos Akaras who is the champion of the Wimbledon. And what a style he's done it. Uh, Carlos Akaras is the champion. I cannot believe it. He is champion. He is beating Novak Djokovic. And Carlos Akaras is the new Wimbledon champion for the first time in his career. He is the champion and you can see the atmosphere is amazing now. And uh, he is running across the court and he's kicked the tennis boy into the stands and everybody is celebrating with him. Carlos Akaras is the man and boy, see the excitement on his face. He rushed into the stands. And uh, you can imagine what he's going to do. He's going to hang his team. And everybody's on their feet. It's been a thriller. A thriller of a contest here. And it's been a thriller of a contest here. Oh, what a contest. He's running to his team. 
is giving a coach, his coach, a very long hug, tears in his eyes. For the first time ever, he made it to the final. He's won it, and everybody's on their feet clapping for Carlos Akaraz. If you're a fan of tennis, clearly this is a beautiful moment. And boy, the young man, he's only 20 years of age. And he's made history now. Everybody's smiling. Of course, I'm full of smiles here. Carlos Akras is the man. It was a massive serve, a match point serve there. And everybody, the Prince of Wales is in there. The Crown Prince is in there. And of course, he said, Vamos, Carlos Akras. Raymond is on the line. And um, we'll connect to Raymond pretty shortly. And he's our tennis man to help us appreciate what this really means. Carlos Akras is the Wimbledon champion. And Novak Djokovic couldn't equal Roger Federer's, you know, victory there. Raymond is on the line. Raymond, boy, what a tennis contest we've witnessed. History-making tennis, Raymond. And I enjoyed it to the fullest. I mean, how did Carlos Akaraz make this happen against the great Novak Djokovic? Uh, well, first of all, I would say this might probably be the biggest win of uh, Carlos Akaraz's Young career, possibly he has a lot of years ahead of him, and I feel that when all is said and done, he might be one of the greatest of the sport. But then um, today, for him to play amazing tennis like he did, I, I think I, I need to give my heart off for him. Uh, the first set was a bit uh, um, disoriented for him because of the game plan initiated by Novak Djokovic. Djokovic knew that. He needed to slow the pace of the of the match in a way. So Djokovic took a lot of time when he was serving, a lot of uh, time between points whenever he was serving, and he made sure that he always made Carlos uncomfortable, especially on his forehand. So he usually hit deep, flat balls to his forehand, which would make Carlos try to return the ball without taking a lot of time on the ball to think. And when you give Carlos room to think he is going to do a lot of damage to you, especially on his forehand. And that is the game plan Novak initiated in the first set. But I think Carlos bounced back to win the second set. And that was the pivotal point because Carlos broke Djokovic in the second set, I think in the fourth game or so. But Djokovic broke back immediately. But Carlos was able to hold his nerve in the tie break. And it is very rare for you to see Djokovic losing tie breaks in a grand slam. But um, today he lost against Carlos in that tiebreak 8-6. And I think uh, the most pivotal point of that tiebreak was when Carlos was able to break back immediately after he was broken by Novak Djokovic. It was, I think, 0-3 um, in that tiebreak. And he was able to break back. And then that was when everything started to fall into place for him. After winning the third set 6-1, Djokovic, which is very usual of him, We've seen lots of players um, complain about that. He took a long bathroom or toilet break to put him uh, to put his act together. And normally, when that happens, and he's playing against players who mentally are not tough, it, it is going to take a toll on them. And it was uh, I wasn't surprised that he won the fourth set, uh, six three. But uh, Carlos was able to hold his his nerve, and he showed resilience today. He showed them a nerve of steel to really. Uh, hold his nerve on that championship um, uh, point. And uh, I think uh, what the, the, the young 20-year-old man has done is very, very incredible. And Spain has another star on their, on their hands. Today, King Felipe and uh, um, 
Queen and, and Letizia were on court. They were at the center court to watch the Carlos Alcaraz, and I think he, he made them proud. I'm, I'm really, really, really happy with what has happened. And one person who will be very happy, I'm sure, would be uh, Roger Federer because um, his eighth gentleman singles title that he's won at Wimbledon is intact for now. It means that no, uh, Novak Djokovic was not able to equal Roger Federer's record. But I think um, Novak, for me, possibly the most successful, the best that we've seen. Uh, and for Carlos to stand up to him today, I've always argued that the young players who are coming up, uh, whenever they meet these old guys, it is a matter of um, um, mental fortitude. And they are not able to hold their own against these guys. We saw it last year uh, with uh, Nick Kyrgios, um, the year before Matteo Berrettini, even this year at the French Open against the likes of Kaspar Ruud. These mm. guys, whenever they meet them, they overwhelm them. But um, Carlos was not overwhelmed by yeah. the atmosphere. He wasn't overwhelmed by the stage. Uh, I think um, he was awesome today. And to play your first Wimbledon final and then to win it in this magnitude. And it wasn't against any main player. It was against possibly the most successful player the game had seen in Novak Djokovic. And he, he did so well. Roger Federer's first Wimbledon final was against Mark Filipposi. No one, I'm sure no one even knows him. Uh, although Rafa Nadal won his first Wimbledon title against Roger Federer, but it was after heading to a third final. He met Roger Federer in 2006 and 2007. In both finals, he lost to Roger Federer. He, he, he did it yeah. on the third try. But yeah. for Carlos mm. to beat Novak Djokovic for his first Wimbledon title, mm. I think uh, it's incredible. And mind you, Novak Djokovic is a four-time champion mm. heading into uh, this woman, then he was the overwhelming favorite because he won in 2018 19 uh, for COVID. Yeah. He would have won in 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Raymond, we have to leave it. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll have to leave it. Uh, with what he's done in the mm. sport and for mm. Carlos Alcaraz to come up against him. I think it was incredible. Yeah, it was great. Raymond, we appreciate your time and of course we'll have the analysis in the course of the week and uh, we need to, you know, end the show. The time is up and uh, Max Olagwagwa will join. We will come and take over pretty shortly. There's a live show coming up. Emmy Awards is coming up and it's coming live here on Joe 99.7 FM and of course Max Olagwagwa has all the details and uh, Max uh, and uh, Max has all the details pretty shortly. So Max, Charlie, big, big event coming up. Tell me about it. It is the EMY Africa Awards um, nominees, announcement of the EMY Africa Awards nominees. So Sunday edition will follow right after at 6.30 p.m., then springboard at 7 p.m. So right now we are crossing 